Welcome to One Beer Wonder, a podcast by The Football Shed. We take one topic, theme, person or subject from the football world and talk about it for the amount of time it takes us to drink one beer. When the beer is done, we are done. Roger. I wanted to talk about um, media bias. So in the football media, how we are told by the media that Mikel Arteta is a great manager before we have any evidence to prove that he's a great manager. Um, and everyone believes that Arsenal are doing great things and going great places. And we've spoken on the shed about how maybe he's not proven it yet and he's not done anything. And now it seems like everyone's maybe catching up with us, but not around like, oh, Mikel Arteta, is he good or bad? but why that media bias exists and actually what influence it has on the game. Does it mean that suddenly we think this player's good or that manager's good or this team are doing really well when actually we don't look at the facts, we just get bombarded by media influence to say they're good, they're crap, etc. Oh, well, I've already opened my beer, John, so we'll, we'll just go, shall we? I think it is one of the most underrated influences on modern football that we have. The media bias because it it affects. So the, you think there is a media bias? Absolutely, absolutely. And I'm not saying it as a as an Everton fan and going so it's against Everton because you know as we do a podcast, right? It's hard every week to not be biased towards my club. It's hard. Yeah, and the, the first thing we said, the you first are thing, you are biased to your club. Well, most that's weeks, what, but <laughs> I, I, that's what I've said, Rod. It's hard not to be. Yeah. That's the thing. And after we stopped recording last week, first thing I said is, oh, we didn't. Didn't talk about Everton once. Didn't yeah. even mention Everton. That was my first thought because yeah. internally, that's that's uh, well, we want to talk about have, Everton. <laughs> have that struggle, right? Now, people who like football are football fans. They like certain clubs. They they have preferences. They they enjoy watching certain types of football. It, same with referees. Same with linesmen. Same with the bloke who sits in the VAR. So, like media bias is our bias as football fans. When okay, uh, talking about the media bias, do you think it's conscious? or unconscious so if I've played for Liverpool my whole life and then I'm on the radio or TV and talking about things do I instantly go <coughs> Mark Lawrence <laughs> <laughs> do, do I instantly in my predictions in the BBC each week go Liverpool will win and Everton yeah, of course you do yeah. the, the, but the, we it's because we do the wrong thing so we okay when a Liverpool Man United game is on mm. who's the who, uh, who sits there being the pundits um, Roy Keane ex-Liverpool and Man United players Ferdinand. So, so we choose them because they have more experience of those clubs but actually their bias is it, it's uncontrollable in a situation like that where we're actually asking them to be informed but be quite you know, stable with their opinion, but actually they're the they're the absolute wrong people. We should get Sean Dyche to 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 commentate on a Liverpool Man United game. Okay, on then okay on a wider question. So it's probably unconscious because we're fans and they're fans and they've played for a certain club, etc. But they shouldn't be a fan in that scenario. They, if they're being if they're a pundit, um, they should be being objective. They should be, Rog. But I think it's almost impossible when you. Doing something, talking about football, which is so passionate about, to be completely objective. We do it. We yeah. find it really, really hard. It's you. Tr you make a conscious decision to try to do it, but it is really impossible well, what, in the moment. I prefer the pundits that are either objective, yeah, and they and they are, or they admit that they have a bias, like Patrick, like Patrice and, and, and it yes. comes yes. into how they comment on the game, and then you know you that I'm fine with that. It's when you get the guys that are trying to be. Pretend, and I think Lawrenson's a good example of this, try and pretend they're being objective when we all know that they're not. But then, okay, so my question on the wider scale is, and going back to the Arteta thing, 
that once a few people in the media and maybe were influenced because he was Pep Guardiola's assistant. Mm. So we instantly, our brains go, he's good manager. He was his assistant for two years. Probably going to be a good manager. But then once the media starts talking about Arteta doing well, then other people in the media say Arteta's doing well. And then it becomes this echo chamber where actually no one is willing to go, hang on, let's step back. Is he doing well? Okay, yeah, there, there is a point that I think we need to differentiate between where a media bias becomes a narrative. Yeah. Because those without bias can pick up on a narrative. So yeah. if that narrative is started by those with bias, by the time it's a narrative, it's not related. It's not directly associated to the bias that originally caused that narrative. And I'll, I'll give you a good example, right? And again, it's Everton because because look, I'm, I'm talking from a I'm in a glass house here yeah. when I'm talking about this stuff. Which which again, all three of us are because we all have to struggle with this. Yeah. Every time you give a championship update, Rog, it is all about <laughs> where Bristol City <laughs> sit, and, and like you're as good as I get when it comes to championship information. So all I yeah. know about is that. So do you know that last week Jordan Pickford was man of the match in the I did Leeds, not know that Leeds Everton game. No, but I did see him make a couple of. Cracking saves. Yeah, but did you read about that? No, it's not interesting. Uh, it's not part of the narrative. It's not part of the Jordan Pickford narrative. The Jordan Pickford narrative post the Liverpool game. So let, let, let's pan this out. No, again. I think mm. it's longer than that. Yeah, this is your. It is. It like, is. There's been a Jordan Pickford kind of anti-Jordan Pickford sentiment for I think quite a long time now. I I, yeah. I agree with that. This year it has snowballed with that Liverpool game and the injuring of Van Dijk. Oh, and okay. when you have when you have the the commentators on that game or the the pundits on that game who are predisposed to being Liverpool fans and feel very hard done by the week after you know I spoke about it, the narrative about Jordan Pickford has been horrendous. So it's it's gone from a bias to a narrative. But so I, now I mean, no. the bits that go against that narrative, like him being man of the match in the game last week, doesn't get reported on or, or reflected on. It's not because it's not part of the narrative. You have to you have to yeah. be quite solid to change a narrative. And again, pulling back the question, is that because he's England's number one? So because does the media then decides that? If Joe Hart's England number one, or Paul Robinson, or David Seaman, does the media just decide, well, we've got to watch everything he does, and if he gets anything wrong, then we're going to jump on it. So it almost becomes this poison chalice where he's got no hope of being praised. I think it's much more that than a... I don't necessarily subscribe to the view that it was during the Liverpool game. I mm. think that's like an Everton-Liverpool thing, but I think that you're... You're dead right. Like the England, we're we're but really bad at it. We're not good at encouraging our players. We're not good at letting them make mistakes. Um, you know, I think other countries do that much better than us, and their media does it much better than our media in terms of. I mean, obviously, in the other big footballing nations, there is still a massive focus on the game. But I do think that we are the worst when it comes to our national team. And those, yeah. those players be having to have particular standards or a particular amount of focus like yeah. on them every time they play. Um, on okay, can media bias get you a job? Now, so we've talked about Arteta getting a job, and then Ollie gets a job at Man United, and Frank gets the job at Chelsea. Rooney might get the job at Derby, and then going back a bit, Fergie's assistants, Carlos Quiros, got the Real Madrid job. Um, Rennie Mullinson went to Fulham with no managerial experience at all. Steve McLaren became England manager. Marco Silva got three Premier League jobs with some of the worst win percentages you've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, but I... 
I don't know if I completely agree. I think you've got to distinguish here. Between, is it media bias? Well, I, I don't know the answer to this, yeah. but I would say, is that media bias? Or you, you, we talked about Arteta a bit already. Is it more that Pep is, you know, a very, very good manager and, you know, one of the best? And we've seen him, you know, develop a style. And, you know, there's a lot of people that are kind of in awe to that when somebody yeah. can not just be successful, but also create you know, a dynasty. Yeah, create a dynasty or create a way of playing then people are sort of quite beholden to that. And so I think it's Arteta, it's as much as he worked for Pep for two years, so he's good by association. Is that media bias or is that just Pep's really good, therefore if you work with this really good man who we put up on a pedestal, you're going to be really good? Like Fergie's assistants. Like Fergie's, is that media bias though or is that no. just that we're, is that success? Well, okay, okay. So I think, it, yeah, it is media bias. I remember an England game. The England won five nil. Uh, I can't remember. Jeez, oh, I remember recently. Who played. Yeah, maybe two years ago. Yeah. England won five nil at Wembley, and I remember because um, Czech Republic, I think. Czech Republic at Wembley, and Harry Kane and um, Deli Ali both scored. Yep. And I remember the the headline in the paper because I remember Gary Neville kicked up a stink about this. Actually, quite to his credit, because he's obviously has a Manchester United bias. To his credit, kicked up a stink about it because the, the the headline in the paper was that. Lingard and Rashford are going to have to fight for their place if they want to get back in this England side. England had just won 5-0. Two Spurs players had scored and looked phenomenal. But the headline was about Man United players. And if Man United... Well, they're going to have to fuck up their ideas if they're going to get Man United representation back in this England squad. And if there is no media bias, why is a headline about Manchester United when it has when the England game had nothing to do with Man United? That, to me, is... is just stonewall, undeniable media bias towards a certain club. Yes, but on the kind of reputational thing, so I got a job because I'm Rennie Mullenstein, Runenstein, and I was Fergie's assistant, and now and I won lots of trophies with him. Fulham are back to get relegated. I'll save the day. There is genuinely no reason for him to get the job. He gets the job, it doesn't go very well, he gets fired. Now I'm not. I'm agreeing with you a bit, Rog, that it's not really media bias as such, but they kind of the media and football are so closely related that that reputation comes with. Oh, they win. Oh yeah, the media thinks it's a good idea to hire that person for that job. They end up getting the job, and it's the same with players. Like if a player plays well for six months a year, they suddenly get put in the newspaper in the gothic column on the BBC and they go, oh they're going to go there they're going to go there like Pepe has gone to Arsenal for 74 million and everyone at Inter Milan there's this striker Martinez I just I've watched him a few times he's not very good mm. but the media's decided he's really good he's going to go to Barcelona he's going to do this he had one good six weeks and then his reputation's gone from here to here and everyone's gone, oh, this guy's great. And the media will just keep talking about it and suddenly decides this player is brilliant. Well, that's, that's Jeff's point on the narrative. I think when it when it, when it it does move on from just being a bias to then kind of snowballs and then everyone jumps on. But I think, I mean, I, if you ask me if there is a bias, I, I think there probably is. And I think that for the simple reason that there are so many ex-footballers in football, yeah, so exactly you know, if you right, look yeah. at yeah. all through sports media, it's so they should have more people like us, Rog. Is that what you're saying? Well, no, I do. I mean, I <laughs> yeah. well, but I think football should in general. I yeah. think we are only just learning that. I think there is now, um, but this has only happened in the last 
10 years, probably more recently in the UK, because we're so far behind, a realisation that a team is not just run by a manager. Mm. A, a, a team is run by a team. Yeah. And it's about having the best people all focusing on the things that they're really good at. And we've seen the good teams in the last 10, maybe you go 20 years, have adopted that approach. And England hasn't done as well because we've always tended to just stick with oh, we'll have a manager. Can the media make a player better or worse than they actually are? So can we... And Jeff, you've brought up Phil Foden before and you're unconvinced that he's as good as we all think he might be um, because he yeah. hasn't proven it yet. But there is a narrative that Phil Foden is the best English he's won young player. He's won the World bl- Cup. <laughs> he has won the- <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a fair argument. <laughs> um, but there is... A, and then also... Secondary to that, there's sort of players I was thinking of like Tom Cleverley and Kieran Richardson who played for Man United. I remember them because they played for Man United, came through, they were okay. They started playing for England. That's and a Man United bias. I don't think that's a yeah. is, is there a Man United bias? Yes, there was <laughs> for years and years and years and a lot of those players were crap. Because what, what happens... and So my question's getting longer and longer and longer. <laughs> but then... You end up with players like a Cleverly and Richardson who leave Man United, go kind of slowly down the leagues and end up being quite good championship normal, players. Normal average footballer. Yeah, yeah. great. Um, but then does that mean in the championship and League One, there are players that should be at a top four club in the Premier League who are really, really good? And because there's no trust putting in them, there's no one going, you know what, if we give that a go, we've seen DCL at Everton get better and better because faith and trust has been put in him. But because people are scared or there's a media maybe in like a narrative around going, oh, no, I don't think they'll be able to do it at that level, then you, they don't go... We, we talked about Jared Bowen last yeah. week to give you a recent recent one. Uh, Kelvin Phillips. Yeah. I think he'll go to... I think Liverpool will sign him at the end of the year because he'll be... They'll de- identify him as a Henderson replacement. I, I mean, I watch a bit of championship football, but I think there are... The huge number of players in yeah. that league that can, and oh, we're so reluctant to do it. We're far, and I, is this a media thing? I don't know, but you know, there's, there's, um, we're it's so, we're so, so quick to go to the French, um, third division, yeah, or, or you know, some obscure league, or, or, than, or someone who has four appearances for Man United versus someone yeah. who's, who's played all season for, for Nottingham Forest. Yeah, absolutely, that is an inclination, and what we have to worry about. Is when, as I say, when something goes from the source to the public consensus without you realizing or questioning what that source was. So, we all, Phil Foden is such a good example. And don't get me wrong, I'm not going to be pig stubborn about Phil Foden forever. Yeah. If Phil Foden does prove to be David Silver, great, I will recognize that. Yeah. But my problem is exactly the point you made, John. My problem is that he's the greatest footballer of all time, yeah. according to everyone that doesn't get a game. and and for me what the fuck is that like it just doesn't make sense and this perception of this golden child this golden generation he literally can't get a game in a team that's losing every week it's it's a problem to me that is such an example are there any others you can think um, of where Wayne Routledge and Wayne Rooney were just as exciting do do, do, do you remember remember this when when Wayne Rooney was at Everton Wayne Routledge was here Palace? Palace. Mm. Yeah. I don't know if he was exciting as Rooney, but, but he was pretty good. I, I remember. I, I just remember this period of time, this few months, where Wayne Routledge and what it was like, oh my God, these two are going to take on the world. Yeah. But obviously, what happened to Wayne Rooney was very, very different to the trust shown in Wayne Routledge. I'm not I, saying he could have achieved the same thing, but you saw two very different paths from a very similar starting point. 
Rog, you asked the question whether there's any other players. Just that spring to mind. Yeah. I tried to make I tried to name a team earlier. Okay, great. I, just, I quickly went through. Um, it ended up being a squad. <laughs> <laughs> and they all play up front? No, no. Okay. I've got two goalies. All right, could reel it off. Nick Pope and Jack Butland. So Nick Pope is one of those players that... This is like... <laughs> yeah, I... Well, everyone says... This is a John, good. John bias. Yeah, yeah, but then Jack Butland... Okay, we'll ignore Nick Pope, but Jack Butland <laughs> was at Stoke um, and everyone said, oh, he's great. He went to the last... He was in this World Cup squad for 2018. It's only mm. two years ago. Um, he went down with Stoke and then last year couldn't get in the Stoke team. He is now Crystal Palace's backup keeper. Did he ever play well? Like, have you? Could you ever go? Oh, do you remember when Jack Butland made that save? Oh, he was brilliant in that game. I couldn't name you one brilliant appearance by Jack Butland, but he got in a World Cup squad. Did he get in a World Cup squad because he was the third best goalkeeper in the country that year, or because everyone decided he's quite good? Once you decide, everyone watches you, and every save you make gets gets highlighted, and you're under the microscope, and. It, well, but and you're more likely to write off the mistakes if that's the narrative. Yeah, exactly it right. It kind of goes. It's like the the opposite of the the Pickford opposite of Pickford. Yeah, yeah, you ignore the man of the match just like you ignore the blunder because oh, he plays for Stoke, so you know Stoke are going to concede goals. But look at the one save he made in the 86 minute. Yeah. And a few other players I picked were actually the other way round that I think are really good, and the media's decided. Can you give me a, go on, just run through it quickly. Okay, so this is my whole squad. Yeah. So, but they're they're all a bit mismatched. So I've got. Nick Pope, Jack Butland, Harry Maguire, everyone thinks he's great. He's probably not that good. Johnny Evans, I think everyone does. Brilliant. Yeah, but he's actually brilliant. Which is funny because he played for Man United, but he's one of like the only players that played for Man United that's been underrated. Well, he, the cardinal sin is leaving to a worse club. If you're a Man United player and you take a step down, then you're suddenly deemed a lesser yeah. quality player. And you, it's very hard to come back from that. Um, ben White at Brighton, everyone's decided he's a £30 million defender. I've watched him closely this year because everyone said he was great at Leeds last year. He's a £30 million defender. He's okay. I like, think he's quite good. I watched him quite a lot. He made a there's what, only one moment in the game. An 86th minute save? <laughs> well, kind of. It, but it was like a, a goal-saving challenge. It was not last week week before yeah, he it, he slid in he came from nowhere oh, yes, and yeah. just and I was like I watched it again because I didn't see who it was to start I was like who was that that was amazing but then yeah. that's one tackle that's amazing yeah. we're in week 10 of the season is he a 30 million pound but it's also he, he's, a, he's an English centre back that can play football a bit mm. we get pretty excited about English centre backs that can play football a bit because we don't have very many two other overrated Ruben Neves and Rodri so Ruben Neves at Wolves, everyone said, oh, he's a top four player since he went to... Oh, yeah, he's definitely... Since he was in the Championship. Cha- he was Champions League player. player. Yeah. He's been in the Premier League for two and a half seasons now. He, he scores a couple of good goals from the edge of the box, but so does James Ward-Prowse. Like, does he do anything? He is not as good as James Ward-Prowse, in my well, opinion. I never is a pretty good player. But what does he pretty, actually... Pretty good. He's, yeah. he's, got a, he's got a very good range of passing. Um, he's got a great... He's scored some... You, like under did he scored a couple of spectacular goals last no, year? No, of course he has. But, but Andros Towns has scored a spectacular goal. Yeah, though. look, so I know. I, I think that I think that Neves he still has improvement in him because he's fairly young and he he has a a very very good range of passing. I think he's a he he is a top four top six Premier League. Player. Oh, but this is this is the problem, John. I agree with you, John. He from the moment he was in the Championship. The narrative started. Yeah. It was that he is a Champions League quality player playing in the Championship. What have Wolves done? Oh my God, watch this guy. Then when they got promoted, that reinforced this 
this, well, now he gets his chance in the Premier League. He's deserved it. Wasn't he good for going to the Championship and helping Wolves get promoted? And this feeling of benevolence of Ruben Neves is has like only solidified his his pedestal. I, I agree with you, John. Don't get me wrong. I also agree with you, Rog. He is a good player. I think he's a good footballer. But is he is he better than Ward Prowse? And uh, no, not in my opinion. And who was the other one you brought up then? Um, ah, oh, Rodri, who's gone to Man City. Now I haven't rated Rodri, but. I saw him play a game for Spain recently and he looked really good. And I was like, oh, maybe he is good. Because I haven't been convinced with him at Man Man City and he's clearly not Fernandinho, who is very, very good. Yeah. But I then I saw him play really well for Spain. I'm like, oh, he plays for Spain? Maybe, maybe... But then also I think Man City's in this weird little vacuum where if Man City pays 60 million for you, you must be good. Yeah. But no one was talking about Rodri before Rodri arrived. No one was talking about Ruben Diaz before he arrived. It wasn't like... Oh, man, I want to buy him. Liverpool, they just went, oh, we need that player. 60 mil, Cancelo, 55 million. And you're like, who are these players? Fucking yeah, Nathan Men- Mendy, yeah. like, you know, there's there's a heap of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and are they any good? Well, they, they're keeping He's... Foden out of the team, aren't they? My, um, <laughs> I've got a couple of others. My two favourite midfielders in the Premier League that get no love at all. And I think if you watch them and you make a point of, um, everyone at home, make a point over the next 10 weeks if they get picked for their teams. Um, Eve Basuma at Brighton and John Fleck at Sheffield United. They're two of the best centre midfielders in the league. Oh, I think Fleck struggled this year a bit. He hasn't played as much. He's been injured a little bit. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think Fleck was really, really good last year. Yeah. I just think he's sort of... he's And he's clearly a good footballer. And he's another one that's been... You know, he's an established pro. He's like, 20, what, 28 or something? Yeah. And, and he's or you know been playing lower league. And clearly you watch him and he's got the ability to play in Premier League. Um, but I do think he's... I don't know what... I watched him. I agree with you. He, last year, especially before he got injured, I was like, this guy is really, really good. Um, but he just ha- hasn't quite... The, who, who else have you got on your side, John? Okay, so I've almost done. So I've got um, Rian Brewster, who's gone to Sheffield United. Um, Diego Jota, in the fact that we all went, why have Liverpool bought him? And then gone, oh, shit, they were right. Um or is that just that Klopp's really good? No, I think well, it, yeah. I think it's the you know the coaching. I've got DCL in there. What what's your Brewster thing? Because you've rated Brewster. I have, but what I'm because when we're talking about media perspective and we're talking about it, every, and I'm I personally went that's a great idea. Well done, Sheffield United. You spent twenty five million on a person who scored no Premier League goals. Yeah. They were they were Dominic Solanke. Dominic Solanke. It's the same yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Jordan Ibe. Because yeah. you do, you personally, I get sucked into it and go, oh, they must be really good because everyone in the media is telling me this kid's amazing. Ian Acho. Yeah. Like, keep, keep, these players are just, they're so good. But they're, but and they they're often they at the big just, clubs. They only just can't get in their big club team. Yeah. Oh, it's so no. hard. And they have like a couple of good games to score a goal. They're in the England squad. Then they get sold for 30 million. Yeah. Yep. And actually the, the perception of it, the narrative is like, they are good enough, but competition is just too fierce at Manchester City. It's too fierce at Liverpool. But I, and I, this is kind of beside the point, but I, like, how much difference is there between 
the average Premier League player and the average Championship player. Not, I not actually much. think it's very little, and I think a lot of it that gap can be bridged with the better standard of coaching that is in the yep. Premier League. I think the top, you know, five ten percent of Premier League agreed. Yeah, are they're just a different. But level. there are so many players. Like I look at like Bournemouth are going quite well in the Championship. Yeah, but the top seven are, are split by two points. Yeah, um, Bournemouth lost three two at the weekend to Preston. Yeah. Um, their team is essentially the same team minus Wilson and Fraser that was in the Premier League last yeah. year and has stayed up mm. in the Premier League for the last few years and been successful. They are by no way steamrollering the championship. And, you know, these are players that were talked about, you know, they've got um, Philip, Philip go Billing, yeah. uh, Lerma, yeah. Yeah. Um, Brooks. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of players who are like, yeah, well, someone will come in for these players. They'll, yeah. you know, they'll be they're too good for the championship but I, I think in reality you could like so many of the players are almost interchangeable what, what were you going to say about DCL uh, just that um, I thought he was going to be crap and he's improved and I think it was when I was talking about lower league players and I, when I was thinking about DCL I was thinking about whether the media allows players to improve so if you've decided that DCL is X but then he becomes Y do we allow players to become that? It takes and a long time. It, yeah, we're not very and, good at it. Yeah, and whether personally I do, whether I've I've still got in my head that Anderson's going to be the best player of Man United yeah. ever had, and he's not quite but made it's, it yet. It's, it's but the but same you, for good players. We don't let good players become shit either. Yes. And look at Gareth Bale. <laughs> like, I'm not saying Gareth Bale's shit, but he is not what he was. I watched him this morning, and I texted you both and went, it's a little bit sad. Well, yes. And do you know my, I'm still not, I'm like, maybe it's just not fit yet. Because yeah. I don't, want it to be the fall off the cliff I just want it to be that he hasn't played football so for two it. years we excuse and we excuse it, it yeah. Yeah. And, and then we also say that you know it's a, it's a purple patch when a bad player or what we deem as a bad player is having a good patch a purple patch they, they're doing really well at the moment Danny Ings is a fucking great footballer but we say, oh, he's having a bit of a or he's scoring a bunch of goals yeah. at, the mo- at the moment. Yes. We add these caveats. But to, he's done it before, that's him. the thing. So you're like, well, if they've done it before, maybe they're just good. Well, Harry Kane's a one-season wonder. But one is like DCL... But there's there's another part to this, which is often there is a bit of truth in it. So I completely agree. I think DCL has improved out of sight as a footballer. And I think he's improved this year from last year. And Mm. I watch him and I'm like, there is now so much more to his game. But we still see some of his finishes and some of his misses. (laughs) He's like, he's just like... He's a really good shit footballer. Like, but he's, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So maybe, like, often there can be. A he, he's bit something that's in interesting. It. So the the one week where um, where Ancelotti came out and said, "Oh well, I coached Inzaghi." Remember, mm. You remember yeah, these, these yeah, quotes? Yeah, yeah. This is like week three or week four of the Premier League season. He goes, "I coached Inzaghi, and he only scored what a goal outside the penalty area, or whatever, whatever yeah. the, the stat was." Suddenly, the narrative went from DCL is rubbish lump up front, scored a couple of lucky goals, to he is just the new Inzaghi. Yeah. All it took was one line from Ancelotti, who everyone respects, and then suddenly I'm I'm seeing the Inzaghi comparisons in every fucking article I read about Dominic Calvert-Lewin. So much so that you forget where it came from, and then it becomes a oh he has recreated his game to be this poacher, this this one touch first time, yep. you know, big man up front. He's the ideal centre forward. It changes his comparison to being a kind of used to be right back. Which he used to be a right wing back yeah. to the perfect centre forward in a well-oiled machine. We're getting towards the end of my beer, so I, I want to ask this last question. Um, 
We've got two more players in my squad okay. that I've not mentioned yet. Ryan Fraser and Callum Hudson-Odoi. Now, the reason I wanted to raise those two is going, and this is where we need to apologise to footballers because we're not footballers or whatever, but can <laughs> the media... Or whatever. <laughs> the disdain. Yeah, whatevs. I was quite good at football one day. Um, but can the um, media perception of a player influence that individual to think they're better or worse than they are. Hudson-Odoi. So Hudson-Odoi had... Um, Ryan Fraser. <laughs> Bayern Munich come in and go, um, oh, we might try and sign you and stuff. And then he kind of got funny with Chelsea about a contract, etc., etc. Ryan Fraser refused to play for Bournemouth when they got relegated as one of their highest paid best players and went, nah, I've heard that I can get X, Y, and Z finance. And... I've always said on The Shed that Ryan Fraser is one of the worst Premier League footballers. He's one of those people that accidentally had a good run and then has lived off a 12-week window of reputation and that's put him at this level. He has never performed at that level again since and he's got nowhere near it. He just had a really good run and anyone can have a really good run, but he's never got it back. But they've started believing the media narrative and the, what is going on and going... Oh yeah, maybe I do deserve, and maybe yeah. there's agents in their ear or whatever going, yeah, you should get a hundred grand a week, and you should go to a different club. Hudson Odoi is the perfect example of this because if it wasn't for the Bayern Munich interest, he wouldn't have got his England call up. Yeah, you remember he, but he, I, he I, got but called is that up. A for, media bias. Yeah, because 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 the the back pages talk about transfers. It's about money. It's about glamour. Well, I think and it's Bayern about Munich, Jordan Sancho. So, so, well, I don't yeah, think it's exactly about right. media. So, I think it's about the fact again that someone's done it and had success yeah so Bayern so wanted to look at the yeah. the young English kids and they picked Hudson Odoi as someone who you know had lots of promise so Chelsea were fighting to keep him he wanted to go and this fight was all over the papers it became yeah. the narrative mm. suddenly he gets played a couple of times for Chelsea because they want to keep him they go we've got we're, we're going to trust you you can play in our first team because of that Gareth Southgate's been reading all of this stuff for months played oh he's quite exciting I'll pick him for England what was he, 17 years old? Yeah, yeah. How many other 17-year-olds at that point were better than Hudson? How many other players yeah. were better than Hudson? Not even 17-year-olds. How many other players could have done a better job for England? But yet, the the narrative took that bloke to an England call-up. That's insane. I th- but yeah. I... It's so hard with this. To I don't. I think it's, we're sort of uh, media bias. Maybe it's, we're sort of catching a lot of things in this umbrella because I yeah. think again that's another Englishism that you have one good game for your club or two good games and you're, in, and you're seventeen yeah. and you're at one of the big clubs. You're in the squad. Or you're Mark with, Noble and you with, never get and a call. Yeah, up. They, but that's yeah. maybe and maybe that is caused by having this big. We haven't. There's one thing we haven't really talked about is you know big club. Yes, media bias. So I think yeah. we've touched on it, but there's definitely that, and mm. you, you know, you get one game for them. But I think Hudson Odoi was a little bit unlucky as well because all that was happening, then he had a bad injury, and so yeah. it kind of all. Yeah, yeah. And, and, I, it, and I, it, when he came that, back, but it's he, the propulsion in the first yeah. place that just wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for the media. And, and in answer to your question, you know, has that affected him as a player? Probably. I think it's probably put him back in his development because he probably yeah. got rather than him, you know, absolutely just trying to bang down the door and play. Of course, if that stuff comes out, you're going to be liable to take your foot off the pedal. A and, bit. and I'll give you three players. I know that I'm just about to finish my beer, so That's I know right. we'll get to the end of it. But Mark Noble, Leon Osman, I'm going to say it. Don't, don't <laughs> Mark, Leon Osman and Scott Parker. Yep. Those three players should have had uh, an international career 
that is better than the players like Tom Cleverley. Scott Parker played for England near the end of his career, didn't he? They kind of, when he was like, it was at Fulham, I think he was playing at Fulham and he was playing regularly and everyone suddenly went, oh yeah, he's a really good good defensive centre midfielder. Oh, it makes our whole team better. But it was only once there was momentum about why is he not in the team. And it's the same with like Jack Grealish has come and suddenly it's just... So players like Tom Cleverley getting the career because of the, the because of Manchester United, whereas Scott Parker, Leon Osman and Mark Noble could have done a better job than Tom Cleverley without a shadow of a doubt, but they did not play for Manchester United. Yeah. That is proof. I and, do, but I do... Do you think that... This is a kind of different question. I think Southgate's shown that he's a bit different to that. And I think that this is where the system's important because, you know, I think if you have that connection between your youth teams coming through yeah, and then, you know, you have an identity and you then take you that kind through of... all, your, all your international levels, age, age levels, then maybe who you play for doesn't matter yeah. as much because you have those links. And I think Southgate's more like that. Whereas I think historically, like 100%, there was a if you play for one of these clubs you're and you're English, you're in. Yeah, but you know that you you're spot on. The problem is we still have dinosaurs like Mark Lawrence doing a prediction on the BBC every single week. Yeah, yeah, and we still have we still choose ex players from clubs to do the punditry of those clubs every yeah. week, and that is toxic for actual football. It's not just toxic for what we think about football. We've just we've just discussed it. That has a tangible effect on football itself. Yeah. So there's a, there is a responsibility for balance yeah. that the media has that it just does not take responsibility and, for. As a fan, it's really hard to watch football and not have a preordained idea of what I think of a player. It's re- like I've I try and watch games yeah. and will make a conscious decision that go, I know that I hate this person just watch them play or like I remember going, teams I, the, watch like, teams the one I really remember is at the World Cup when Roger and I were in Brazil we watched France against Switzerland and it was 5-2 I think mm. and Benzema played up front I said to Roger before, and I was like, yeah you, you never rated Benzema oh, Benzema's so <laughs> shit it's cra- I just watched him and he just blew me away I was like Jesus this guy's good at football yeah. and like he's played for Real Madrid for 15 years so I'm not like but, he, he, not, he, but, he, but he could 100% be on your list for underrated yeah. yeah whereas like he's taken him now till he's almost going to retire to realize he's the main man at madrid and yeah. he's been the main man for like six years he's just quietly like, gone with it yeah and he's yeah. look how many goals Olivier Giroud, you could say the same yeah. in the premier yeah. league yeah um but it transcends sport but yeah as i say stuff, I, you know? I think yeah. there is a responsibility that the media has not taken up that they need to realize is a responsibility because it has a tangible effect on football so not only is there a bias but there's a narrative set and that narrative is is detrimental for the evolution of our game. And so many of the fans that we spoke to at the start of this year, when we um, did the, the the fan group podcast, brought up the perception when they support yes. smaller clubs that there yeah. is. And now I don't when when you hear that a lot from these clubs, you know, there's something in that. Yeah, you can't. And it's come up on the Facebook group just this week about it kind of yeah there being like for VAR oh it means it's evening it out because this club doesn't get it yeah. doesn't get it and these clubs do and there was a thing on the BBC today about VAR and two clubs that have had the most VAR decisions are Man United and Liverpool and you would say they're the two clubs that get the most decisions from referees from read media from everything they're the most favourite clubs they're the two so the most successful yeah. And they're the biggest supporter. And they've had the, they're the two clubs that have had the most VAR decisions, whether they go for or against them or whatever, but they've just had the most. And that's interesting. Because it's rock and roll football, John. 
Rock and roll. Well, and uh, Man United have had a few um, Fergie time penalties. I think that's a perfect time to finish. <laughs> <laughs>